This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, man. Now Luca's a favorite for MVP again. He's back in the game because of that huge performance there. Sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, he had a 60-21-10 night last night. 21 assists, I'm assuming. Uh, no, it was rebounds. 60 rebounds, 10 points. I'm betting. What if he did that? Oh, man, that would be insane. People, How would that happen? The backwards triple-double, everybody would lose their minds. We'll get into that a little bit more coming up here at 1020. But uh, I did want to ask the question, if the Tennessee Titans are treating this like a preseason game, how should the Cowboys treat it? 877-881-1053, truckwreck.com text line. And uh, hearing that, I heard it from Broadus yesterday, even as I was driving. I've seen it from on Twitter. Uh, a couple different times that the Titans are considering treating this game as if it's a preseason game, maybe not playing all their best guys, hoping to really take it to the Jags in the final game of the season. And I'm interested in that philosophy on their side of it. And we'll get into that for, I'm sure sometime this week, but the Cowboys, you're in a real weird place. You've now defeated the Eagles. Yeah. Without Jalen Hurts, as Joy Taylor's pointed out. Okay. You've, uh, you've, um, all right. The Eagles fans, they're saying it. They're the ones saying it. So, I mean, did they have that same energy when they defeated the Cooper Rush Cowboys? It was completely, uh, flipped. It was the complete polar opposite, uh, in that same vein. The, the way that I look at this game is you don't have to win it, but it does keep you in the conversation. If you think for any in any way, shape, or form that the Eagles are going to lose and it gives you an opportunity to take the division and have home field, you got to keep winning. You know, you got to just keep doing that. So if you're if you're the Cowboys, how do you maintain that mental focus this week, even knowing that it's just that small that small chance, it's a small glimmer of hope. But I think every game shows you that there's always every game kind of gives you that. Hey, you can come back from any. Hell, the Mavericks last night. I think <laughs> I saw that it was uh, that from Tim McMahon. Is it 0 for th- uh, 35? 13, thir- yeah, 0 for 13,888, let's say, something like that, um, when a team in the NBA was down by nine points with 35 seconds or less. And, of course, that is now one and 13,000 plus Good whatever night. because the Mavs did that. Again, we'll talk about that here in about 15 minutes. Oh, for 13,884 in the 84. last 20 seasons. So a glimmer of hope is still a glimmer. Something's there. So if I'm yeah, the Cowboys. But, that, but we also can't. Like, if you play it on that situation, then you're ending up in a place where you're playing yeah. against probabilities sometimes. And I think that's where people are starting to look at. I, I understand. Let's lay out the, the possibilities here. The idea is being you go out and you treat this like normal. You try and win, which uh, we're already seeing on the truckwreck.com text line from the 940. You play to win until Philly clinches. Understand that. But there's also the other mindset, which is, look, man, we've been talking about a dude who has been vying for defensive player of the year and had a little bit of a rough spurt of of games because he said that he is worn down in Michael Parsons, right? You're seeing the fatigue and the 
you know, the the the, the battle-tested nature of the season taking its, you know, its toll on the team in some ways. And you would like to get any opportunity to get your team just a little bit fresher for the part of the season that people seem to care about more than anything, which is the yes. playoffs, right? To the point where we had a whole conversation yesterday about why people are not enjoying the regular season more. And it's because there's just so much placed on the Cowboys and the success or the lack thereof in the playoffs that this team has had. So people have staked so much of their emotional um, like capital on the idea of what happens in the playoffs. So you want to give yourself the best opportunity there. For me, I keep coming back to the thought, right, that people have talked about where it's like you want to be playing your best football this time of year. And for me, again, last season, I had such a bad feeling with this team riding the roller coaster towards the end of the season where you would see certain performances of good and you'd see certain performances of bad and I didn't know which team would show up on any given moment. Yeah. And for me... I would like to exercise the demons of being a Jekyll and Hyde team. I would like to be able to see this team come out and be the team that we want them to be consistently. Now, will that ultimately mean that they will definitely come out and do that in the playoffs? I can't say that. But I think that that would give, it would give me at least, I think it would give a lot of Cowboys Nation, and I think honestly it would give the team more of confidence in the idea that you can go out and you can beat whoever you need to in the playoffs because you've seen yourself do it consistently time and time again. We could talk about what consistency means, um, and part of it is that now you know exactly what what you should expect from him, and I think that matters in some ways regardless of what your opponents are doing. Yeah, that, that confidence and consistency – you know, just applies itself to the momentum that you gain. All right. I, see, I seen the big smile come across your face, and I was like, "What is it? What's going on through this?" Maybe I'm making a great point. No, the you rec- just wanted to bring up for the record. Lesson. No, I think I think your point was fantastic. I just that was the part I wanted to make a joke on. Okay. For the record, eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three. Reggie does not believe in momentum. Uh, not in not in the way that people use it in sports. No, like yes. obviously it is a quite it is a literal scientific phenomenon. Uh-huh, but. but when we use it in sports, it's like you've gained confidence. You're in you're in flow. I think we use flow state as the new like uh, word for momentum. You're in flow state. You're you found your groove. You know what annoys me about is. momentum as we've done we've already taken this tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, you can ask ten people like what they think momentum is and the dis- like the um the definitions that they give you will vary. Yeah. Will vary quite a bit. And that's one of my main issues. It's like y'all are not even talking about the same thing consistently. <laughs> but the you you are now doing something well. Stay doing something well. Do the little things each week. That's what I'm that's what if I'm Mike McCarthy this week, I am preaching we still have to maintain those little details that we do throughout the week as we're leading up to Philly because that's what's going to help you win whenever you go play the next opponent. Whenever you go, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. You can take any opponent lightly and you're going to be in a bad situation because you didn't do those little things. You still might be good enough to defeat them, but if you don't do those little things, you aren't playing, giving yourself the best opportunity, the best chance. So Cowboys heading to, uh, they got Nashville on Thursday and that's where I think that you, you continue to maintain we aren't done. You keep getting those guys in that mindset. I, I appreciate the, hey, we need some rest. I do trust Mike McCarthy, who I think does a really good job at this. I don't know like how much I'll listen to Broadus about this, but when McCarthy talks about the GPS, and everybody's like, does he even know what GPS means? That's how I feel about it. Is it does he even know or does he just say the GPS? Do people know what GPS Like It means? sounds like the marijuana. You know, It sounds like mm. he's just saying the GPS. I got the COVID. Uh, it's like, that's what it feels like, but he pays attention to what these guys are doing. He pays attention to what these guys physically are, have dealt with throughout the entire week. 
through their game, how many snaps, how many miles they ran. We were talking with Zach Martin, and he was like, he was like, yeah, man, this GPS knows how how the max speeds I got up to, and it knows you know when I should not be sprinting and when right. I should be walking slowly. So. I think that's the that's one of the things is I trust that he has a good finger on the pulse for that. And if he's going to put his team out there, I don't think it's in a, in a mindset of, hey, we're doing this out of desperation. It's more of a mindset of they need the reps. They need to stay crisp. We have an extended break after this and that you're going from Thursday to the next Sunday before you play again. So that's another kind of a uh, we do get a rest at some point here. But yeah, man, I think that the Cowboys need to approach it. With a let's win, let's just win all the rest of the games. Mentality. Yeah, you play to win the game. Hello, uh, no, but seriously, to to further your point, I think that this team has done a pretty good job of being quite cautious with the health and safety of this of their players. Right? How many instances can we think about where um, you know a player was not brought back as soon as they absolutely could have been from an injury because they were like, we want to make sure that you're at your best capabilities. How many instances have we seen Mike McCarthy have a walkthrough day or something to try and make sure that the team was more fresh? I think that they've, they're they always considering this, so I don't know that they are going to go and change the philosophy now simply because we're later in the season and the other team seems to be playing down. I think that this is something that they constantly have, and it does seem like they're in this place where they have a process and they have a thought I, I, idea of how they want to try and keep the team fresh, not just over a, a few weeks span, but over the entirety of the course of the season. The other thing too, Reggie, when you get done losing a game, what are the questions each week? The questions throughout the week are, how are you going to fix this? How are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. Might as well win the game and then be able to say, okay, we still had some things we need to work on, but we don't have to worry about the fact that we didn't give our best effort. You know, that, and that's that's a, if, if I'm a player, I don't want to come back next week and have, Freaking uh, Bobby Belt, Jane Slater, and David Moore asking me questions about what I need to do because I had something happen that's been a trend all season that I haven't been able to break. Uh, you know, if I'm Dak, man, I'm looking at it going, I would miss four games. I still got numbers I want to meet. You know, let's go pad these stats. If they're going <laughs> to treat it as a preseason game, let's go ahead and pad some stats and try and get out there. But I know there are a lot of fans out there. There are a lot of Cowboys fans. We talked about this yesterday. We talked about this before that are jaded. Sure. And they are looking at if the Cowboys don't go out there and do a Vikings game and, and beat them 40 to three. And they're like, this is the same old Cowboys team. They can't beat a preseason Tennessee Titans team. Why do they even show up? If I'm the coaches, am I trying to expand my playbook this week? Or am I trying to say, you know what? We're going to keep it as vanilla as possible and hope we come out with a victory in this one. That might be the place in which you go a little preseason on this. Because, yeah, I, I do think that in some ways you want to keep things in your back pocket. Um, so if you're playing a team where you know that you might not need to go 100% in order to beat them, you might, you know, while still operating in a place where you're trying to execute well, you might kind of ramp that down a little bit um, while still obviously having those plays in your playbook. Maybe not put everything on film. But also we have to consider this is a team that is trying to integrate T.Y. Hilton. This is a team that is uh, trying to make sure that uh, Tyron Smith is at his best at right tackle, you know, as he's playing a position he hasn't played quite literally in decade, in a decade, right? Like trying to make sure that all these things gel. I think that there's there's some, you know, some value to making sure that all those things work together and giving it maximum amount of reps in this environment that you can't replicate. You don't replicate game reps. Yeah. Like, there's not anything that 
you know, absolutely right that exists in that same way. So I do think that there are other things that they have to consider in addition to that. Plus, I mean, hell, playing Deron Bland on the outside on the boundary, which look, man, he looked phenomenal. They put him out there. Look, I gotta apologize, Deron Bland. I ain't know. I ain't, I was not familiar with your game. I thought you was all inside. I didn't know that you had it on the boundary. Apparently, he does. Right. I wish I'd have told you because uh, when I was watching him at camp, I was like, dude. And that's when I started my campaign for right. Deron Bland, but I wish I had told you a little more about what he could do. So, like, him on the boundary having – was oh, my goodness. I was about to say my man who they brought up from the practice squad to play on the interior. Sure, Sherwin? No. Um, I'll, I'll look up his name because it's it really is a shame that I've forgotten his name that quickly. Uh, but, yes, um, having um, Alexander. Alexander. Yeah, yeah. Um, having these guys – form together like Voltron and get you know get even better at their craft I think matters in trying to keep develop that consistency this is the first year that CD Lamb has cracked 80 receptions he's now at 91 he has an opportunity to before the season's over eclipse 100 receptions for the first the first time he has an opportunity to go into double digits for the first time in receiving in receiving touchdowns he has an opportunity to be a 1,400-yard receiver, which would be 300 yards more than he was last year, and that was his best. This is another opportunity for CeeDee Lamb to really expand you know, his where he is in this world of, is he a number one? I think we've answered that question at this point. Michael, Ir- Michael Irvin was talking about him this morning. He's like, man, you watched it happen. You've watched this guy. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday yeah. with the percentages of catches that he has at this point, him and Dak doing something special together. And I think I thought Michael had a really good point when he said, you know, he's trying to become a number one with Cooper Rush early in the season. And there is a very big difference between Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Sure. Although I do see people saying they want to see Cooper Rush in the second half. If the Cowboys are up by 40, it should be a Cooper Rush second half. Absolutely. That should, that should absolutely. Yeah. And that, isn't, that what you, isn't that what you say as a coach? You, know, you walk in to your guys. If you want some rest, go ahead and put up like 37 yeah. things. Yeah, if you're if you're one of those guys, it's like even managers right now. If you're out there and it's holiday season and everybody's like, I don't really want to be here. Don't you kind of look at them and go, All right, let's do this. Let's let's pump it out. Get your work done, and then and then we'll, get we'll, the heck out we'll of goof here. off or whatever it is from there on. I know some people have to like you Wait. have to stick to hours is that what kevin and mike are doing kevin and mike are just goofing off because they worked so hard early in the season yeah absolutely Mm. that's why i goofed off last week um but yeah man like that's what i'm doing if i'm a coach y'all want to leave early y'all want to have an early day on thursday night and then just enjoy your weekend get done with this team at halftime and tell amazon hey y'all keep putting on crappy products because they when was that when was Amazon's best game? When's Amazon's best game this year? Is that What's Amazon's fault or is that NFL's fault? I, I, it seems like they they looked at the schedule and they were like, "Man, let's go look at this." The outcomes this season have not been not been very good at all. Through week thirteen, all right, there was a time you had the the Bills and Patriots in week thirteen was supposed to be a good game. The Raiders and Chargers was bad. Yeah, man, I've just, they had the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jets on Thursday night football. It's just been bad football this season. Go out there and give them another bad game. Put 40 on them and end everything right at halftime and move on with it right there. Coming up next, Luca does something special, and we talk with our insider, Mickey Spagnola, next in the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm tired as hell. I need a recovery beer. That's what I'm talking about. Me too, man. I'm, I'm with you on what that you one. to be tired? I did, I, my dog uh, was kicking during the night last night, and I, was, I didn't sleep as well as I thought. Mm. Plus, I stayed up and watched Luca do his thing last night. It was special. 60-21-10, which has never been done in the NBA. Correct. What's more impressive to you, that they were that he did that individually or that the team was able to come back and get a win? Oh, because uh, that, that in, in itself is really interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's a great dichotomy you set up there. Like, you know, juxtaposing the idea of the individual performance and, like, the, the amazing thing that they were able to do, which was win a basketball game that in a situation where typically or nobody had right. for, like, the last two decades is incredible. They're both amazing. Can we just, can I can I ride the fence in that way and just say, like, I, I was impressed by both of those things? 881-1053-truckwreck.com text line if you would like to bash Reggie for riding the fence on this one or if you want to make your selection. If you want to say both, that's okay, Reggie. I'm not going to tell you how to fan, all right? Thank I will you. never tell you how to fan. Thank you. Uh, because I do, I agree with you. Both of them are, are exceptional. I think the Mavs needed the win. Yeah. You know, like, I think Luka can do those things. Luka can do, I think he might have another game like that in his career. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, look, this dude's 23 years old. I know we, we're, you're probably tired of hearing how old he is, but it's fascinating. It's incredible to be able to be at this height of his powers at 23 years old doing everything. Yeah, most most players are just learning that they can shoot electricity out of their hands with their powers at this uh, this stage. You're, there are. They're really legitimately still growing. I saw, I've seen a couple people, maybe Joel Embiid's agent, say, yeah, you know, the media is really biased because they're not paying attention to the Joel Embiid had 48, 10, three steals and three blocks last night. And you're right. Nobody is paying attention to it. But the age of Luka, you're right. Add that to it. Joel Embiid's been doing this kind of really good stuff for a long time. It seems like a long time. And Luka is still very young in his development, and he just blew everything, all the headlines out of the water last night. Yeah, it's kind of funny because this is this was a game where the numbers were insane, but also kind of understandable. Because like it's not like you told me that Corey Brewer dropped fifty, mm-hmm. right? That was that was something where I was like, oh my goodness, what? Mm-hmm. You hear Luka Doncic drop sixty, and you're like, man, that's incredible. Yeah, I see it. Like I see how that happens because Luka Doncic regularly drops forty. Right. Or 35. You know, that this is something that feels somewhat normal in some ways that he is going to just do absurd things. But it's also still absurd that he did it to this level. I literally this morning told you that that like in the middle of the third quarter, I saw that he had 26. There was like eight minutes and 47 seconds left. And I was like, all right, there's 26 right there. He'll get his 40. You know, he might have 42. That's what I was thinking at the end of the night. And I almost take that for granted. I. And I was telling you yesterday, I was at a point with Dirk when I was like, can't we just accept that we're watching a great player do some great things night in, night out? We're lucky. We could be the old Mavericks where we were watching, you know, a dumpster fire every single night. It was not even worth watching. Mm -hmm. And Michael Jordan would come in and fire everybody up by saying, that team's better than you think. And then they (laughs) barely beat them. And that's like, that's how I always felt was like, eh. But we got to watch greatness with Dirk. Now, here we are in a night in, night out basis watching these kind of things. From the 469, Corey, can you tell my daughter how she how to shoot electricity out of her hand? She's cracking up. 
I think you got to rub your feet on the carpet. That's right. Often, all right. Well, you also don't you have to have your shoes on? You got to have shoes you know, socks, right? On, well, yeah, socks do. Yeah, socks do matter there. So I don't know. I'm just saying. Or things. I have a pair of Nikes that if I wear them, I'm I'm shocking everything. Oh, so yeah, wow. yeah, I don't wear them that often. You become static shock. I do become the static man. Um, so yeah, there are lots of opportunities for that. It was. Um, it is. I do kind of almost take it for granted that he does these things. Yeah, that he scores forty every night, or you know, almost seemingly that he has these types of triple doubles. And I think it's because we wake up the next morning after something like that happens, and the only thing that we hear is Luca needs help. Luca, we're never going to do this. They're still a garbage team. They barely did. They barely won. I want to appreciate the moment of man. That was special. Instead of being like, yeah, but. With all these things. Yeah, but, right? The thing about this is he did something so incredible, and I cannot get out of my head the image of him in late in the fourth quarter before they go and actually like finish out this um, this fantastic comeback in the fourth quarter to tie it up and then ultimately win overtime. Luka Doncic is sitting on the, on the sideline or sitting on the bench with the water ball in his hand, and he looks gassed. Yeah. He looks ter- like he is. He's put up forty some fifty point, actually fifty four points or something at that point. And I'm looking at him like he put up fifty four points, and they are battling to try and tie a basketball game. While I'm appreciating how incredible it is, it's also hard for me to ignore the idea that he is so incredible, and the results are squeaking out wins. Right, like when you have somebody that incredible, the results should be. You are you are really putting people in the dirt, uh, akin to what happened in Game Seven of the second round of the playoffs last year, where you're you are putting Phoenix in the dirt. That's what you feel like you should see when a dude is having that level of game. It does not feel like you should be just barely edging out a New York Knicks team without Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. With what was that two of their three best players? Without two of their three best players, the man uh, from the two. This is what I'm talking about. I get it from the two five four. I was like, this is incredible, but shouldn't be necessary. That, so yeah. okay. You're not getting that, right? I guess are you getting that if he has a number two stud next to him? You might are you ever gonna get that moment? Yes. I think so. I mean look. You still think he's gonna have a night where it's like I have to I have to do all these things. Sure. I mean your, your second player is going to have off nights. You're going to have these instances. You were talking about the 79 other uh, total instances of 60-plus points. We can look at the fact that there were great players on there who had players next to them. Namely, we can talk about the 69-point uh, the game from nice. Michael Jordan. Thank you. Um, Michael Jordan was playing with some talent around him as well. Um, actually, what year was that? Because he might have been in that instance where they was just uh, give me a second, but I'll go find out. The fact of the matter is, like, there are players on there who have put up nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, they had a great team. Like, they had they had players around them. Yeah. They had they had complimentary pieces, right? So you're going to get great player. Great players are going to make great plays. Great players are going to have great games, right? That is something that is to be understood if you truly believe that Luka Doncic is one of the generational players of this league, and I think that that is very evident. It, but the thing about it is it should not be him okay. grinding his, his legs to nubs to do this just to get over. There are two things. One, I think he loves it. I think he loves the spotlight and those things that come along with it and the work that he has to do. I think he loves basketball. The other thing about this, do does everybody really think Mark Cuban and Nico and Jason Kidd don't understand? Is Is that a reality? 
I don't because I, I hear people go, yeah. no, I think that Mark Cuban and Kevin Kevin will be right at the forefront of this. Mark Cuban thinks that what Donnie used to say, we love our boys in blue. And he believes he he is Ted Lasso. Just put the believe sign up, everybody touch it, everything's gonna work out. <laughs> All right. Like I think that the and, and I think that Mark Cuban has a a part of that where he believes a special locker room can do a lot of special things. And I don't know how long like they, they had a special locker room last year. Do y'all really think that Mark Cuban isn't sitting there every day going, Good God, I have I have hit the lottery and I need to make sure that I don't just go waste it all. I'm gonna do the patented Reggie thing. I'm gonna ask answer your question with a question. Mm, that's not an answer. That's right. Um, does it matter if he thinks that or not if the results aren't there? Right. We're playing in some ways in a results oriented business. And the process, I'm I'm very much a process guy, but I also recognize that within the process, your process has to yield results. And the tough part about it is I you can you can appreciate that. And I think it, it would be fair to give him some level of benefit of the doubt that maybe he does appreciate that you need to get him, you know, like get him some help. At the same time, if it does not happen, I'm not giving you brownie points for the idea that you recognize it too. Because your job is not to recognize it, your job is to get it done. They have until February 9th. Like that's that's trade sure. deadline is February 9th. So they have a month. They they if Jason Kidd looked at the season and said, I need to know what my team is before the trade deadline so we can make a move, then Jason Kidd has really done, you know, he's he's given Christian Wood the hard time. He said, all right, now go help us out a little bit. Last night, Christian Wood hit a big three late in the fourth quarter, kept them in the game. There were some really good shots by Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. I mean, that dude's still playing for you. I, if I'm looking at this team, I can't lose Spencer Dinwiddie. I have to add to him. Absolutely. But he's one of those guys that I'm also looking at going, but he's one of the most tradable commodities on my team. To go back to uh, what you mentioned, it's one of my favorite things. You talked about how this Dallas Mavericks team historically started with the with the paperclip, right? Yeah. With the red paperclip. They were in the doldrums of, you know, of basketball. And they traded their way up. And it might just be ha- that you have to understand that what you have right now, you have to make sure that you advance. It's one of the reasons why I've been so big on the idea that you can't let Christian walk, Christian Wood walk for nothing at the end of the season. You know, once he becomes an unrestricted free agent, if you want him to remain a part of this build, you extend him. And if you don't, you need to make sure to trade and trade up to where you get more value um, from that trade than you're sending out. Yeah, from the nine four zero. Yeah, we should have done. We should have destroyed him. But remember, we didn't have Dorian Finney Smith, Maxi, and Josh Green, guys that they are relying heavy on at this point. And that is something else you're talking about. They're missing this, this, and this yep. last night. Luca didn't have his entire arsenal at his disposal either, so he said, "You know what? Here's what I'll do. I'll just go do it my fine. I'll do it myself." Sure. You know, and then he went out and actually did it. So special night from Luca last night. Special. We'll get into it a little bit more, but right now, uh, brought to you by Ford, built for Texas, built for you. It is our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola. Mickey, how you doing, man? I'm just fine. How's it going? Well, you know, we have to get into some Luca conversation from last night because when special players do special things, you get excited about it. And that was a lot of fun whenever the DFW teams are doing some special things this year, right? Yeah, yeah. what did he do last night? 60 points, <laughs> 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Quite literally has never happened in the history of the NBA before, Mickey. That's, unbel- that's unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact that he scored all those points in the last, what, half a minute or so? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, right? Team gets a win. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, Mickey, the um, the Cowboys, we've, we've been hearing whispers about potentially the Titans treating this as a preseason game. And I'm kind of curious on your approach. If they are doing that, what, cow, what should Cowboys do? How should they approach it? 
they should go in there and crush them then in the first half and then rest as many players as they can. That's what I'm talking. Is that if you're Mike McCarthy, are you telling the guys, hey, do y'all want the second half off? This is how this is how we'll do it. Well, I mean, you got to go play, right? If yeah. there's still an opportunity, slim as it is, to win the NFC East. Uh, you can't go in there and say, okay, we're going to punt this game because they're punting the game, right? Uh, and then what happens if, uh, if if the Eagles somehow lose their last two games and you didn't take care of your own business? You're kicking yourself in the butt, right? Because you can still, I mean, not only is the NFC East still on the line, they've got to win one more, but what if they don't? And, and what, if you, what if you win both? and somehow Minnesota loses one, you're the number one seed, right? For real. So, yeah, you can't be messing around with that stuff. You just got to go play uh, and try to get better because this team has some things to figure out, uh, especially defensively, uh, before they get into the playoffs. Now, Mickey, like, assuming that you are trying to rest players, whether it's you know coming out of the gate or even in the midst of the game once you've put, out, put up a pretty good lead, like, mechanically, how do you do that? Because obviously you only have a certain amount of players active on a game day anyways. Yeah, and that's the other misnomer, right? Everybody thinks, oh, you just kind of play all the backups. Well, you don't have enough backups to take everybody out, right? Uh, so you got to pick and choose. I mean, if you're going to put your backup quarterback in, no fair putting in as many backup offensive linemen you have active, and you only have three, right? Uh, so somebody... Somebody's got to go in there and play. And, you know, and the guys, the same thing on defense. And the guys that you leave in there, it's like, what, am I chopped meat? I, I, I don't deserve the rest e- uh, either. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very delicate situation. Um, but to, to me, sometimes when you start messing with it, uh, you get yourself in trouble and you, you, you might create some bad habits going into the final game of the season. Just go play football. You get into the fourth quarter, and if you got a you know, 20, 25-point lead, uh, then, yeah, then you can start pulling back. But I don't think you can do it uh, you know, entirely, uh, uh, even in the late part of the game. CeeDee Lamb has answered a lot of questions this year what else does he have to like he's done a lot of things he's accomplished a lot what else does he want to add to this resume here this year just keep doing what he's doing right keep piling up uh, catches keep piling up yards touchdowns uh yeah he's been awfully awfully good uh and and especially with his uh run after catch uh, i think that's also been an improvement um catching the ball i don't think we've seen a drop in in quite a few games, right? And I think he's finally understood that catching the ball is more important than taking off and running with it uh, before you catch it, which was creating some of his drops. So, yeah, we're seeing uh, him blossom in his third season uh, as as well as a Pro Bowl wide receiver, right? Yep. Uh, and and people have to pay attention to him. Well, you want to pay attention to him if he's on one side and you line up T.Y. Hilton on the other, you, you can't double both guys because uh, someone down the, the slot is going to be open down the middle. Or if you put one of those guys in the slot, then it, it's, it's going to be uh, an unbalanced side to the field, right? You put C.D. outside, T.Y. in the slot, or vice versa. Uh, you can't have four guys covering on that side of the field. So uh, it creates an imbalance. Uh, for defenses if the Cowboys do that. And I think that they'll 
continue. Another reason why you want to continue playing because you want to continue uh, playing with this toy going into the um, playoffs and have those guys uh, ready to go. And not only that, have something to show the uh, team that you're going to play. Well, you better spend a little extra practice time on this possibility. Mickey, always appreciate your time, sir. We'll be back with you tomorrow as we roll into Cowboys Titans. Thank you very much. Have a great day, man. Talk to you from Nashville. There he is. Mickey Spagnuolo, our Dallas Cowboys insider. Coming up next, let's talk with our own Jared Sandler about what the Rangers did last night. Next on The Fan. And Joey Erickson hanging out with you today. Kevin and I will be back tomorrow out at the Texas Roadshow Sports Cards and Memorabilia Shop in Mansfield. Looking forward to hanging out with you all day tomorrow. Some uh, cracks and packs with us. It'll be a lot of fun. We always have a good time out there. But right now, let's talk with Rangers pre- and post-game show host, as well as baseball analyst, uh, announcer, Jared, what is what is your title? I don't. I need a. What is your title at this point, man? Broadcaster for one hundred five three, the fan. Jared Sandler joins us, ladies and gentlemen. Tottenham Hotspurs fan. There you go. I like that a lot. Yeah. Bigger. <laughs> you sound so excited about it. <laughs> I mean, I just like you know, <laughs> um, that they've taken years off my life. That'll That's happen. okay. That'll happen when your favorite yeah. team does that to you. The um. The biggest story I thought was going to be Nathan Uvalde last night until Luca did what he did, but we'll talk about Luca later. Let's uh, let's dive in a little bit on the Uvalde uh, move last night. Well, first of all, is Corey saying his name right? Uvalde, Uvalde. I think it's just Uvalde. Uvalde. Imagine the O's not there. Okay. All right. Fine then. Just we learn say, things. I will say it that way. This is what Jared does. He what are we? Stuff. What are we getting production-wise and stylistically from this pitcher? Well, first of all, I haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, I mean, he's got these like incredibly broad shoulders. Mm. Like I, I, when I look at him, like I stare at his shoulders. They're just like That's interesting, super broad. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, but. As far as things that actually matter, uh, a guy who, I mean, he's he's had a lot of success uh, at the big league level. You know, his 2019 year with Boston was not great. It was a, a weird year for him. Uh, but you take that year out, and, and you've got a really competitive pitcher, someone who uh, the last three seasons has had an ERA in the threes. Uh, last year, sorry, uh, 2021, he was an all-star. He led the American League in FIP, which is a, a category or a statistical category that a lot of, uh, you know, I've said this, a lot of evaluators, really all evaluators will pay heed to, to some degree. Uh, it basically neutralizes the impact, the, the variable impact of your defense to assess your pitching performance. So it, it basically doesn't penalize you for having a bad defense or, you know, doesn't reward you for getting lucky with a good defense. Uh, he's someone who, you know, throws the, the, the heck out of the ball, but, you know, as as good as his fastball has been in the past, uh, and it's a, a pitch in the you know the mid nineties. It's not necessarily you know his best pitch. Uh, last year, his splitter was really good. He throws five pitches, so I think as he's gotten older, he's become less of a thrower and more of a pitcher. Um, and the thing is, you know, he's been around for a while. He broke into the big leagues at twenty one years old. Uh, he's got a lot of experience, eleven years in the big leagues, but he's young. He's only thirty two years old. He'll turn thirty three during spring training. Uh, so, you know, it's not like he's, uh, for as long as he's been around, he's not 36, 37, 
uh, and someone who, you know, probably uh, you're getting, even though it's 17 or so a year, you're getting it uh, probably a little bit of a bargain uh, based on some of the success that he has shown he's capable of having here in recent years. Now, Jared, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like moves telling us something about the way that evaluators are thinking. What does this move tell us about the way that they this team wanted to build their rotation? Well, so one thing that I think is worth bringing up is you don't walk guys. Uh, you know, sometimes you get these hard throwers and they don't know where the ball is going and they, you know, they strike out a lot of guys, but they also walk a lot of guys. You know, he, he's a guy who, uh, you know, he's in, in recent years, you take the last three years, he's been better than a strikeout per inning guy, a little bit under that last year, but you don't walk guys. Uh, you know, last year he walked fewer than two per nine. He's done that now for three straight years. Uh, he led the league actually in walk rate back in, in 2021. And over the course of his career, if you want to extend the sample size, he's, he's about a two and a half per nine walk, uh, walk guy, which is, that's really, really good. Uh, I think that's, that's important. Uh, you know, I think that's something that, you know, drove Chris Young up the wall uh, at times over the last two years. Now, beyond just that one specific statistical element, you know, the Rangers are adding another veteran to their rotation. They're not relying on guys who are unproven. Uh, they're not relying on guys who, you know, have potential and are prospects, but maybe, you know, in all fairness to Glenn Otto and Dane Dunning and Cole Reagan's guys who, definitely have potential to be better than what they've shown in their young careers, but they're not, they're not guys who you look at and say, well, this, this guy could one day be the ace of our staff, right? You know, these are guys who uh, you, you look at that mid to, to back end rotation guys. And uh, the Rangers are now putting those guys in positions to compete for kind of next man up status. You know, maybe one of those guys ends up as a multi reliever, a multi inning reliever in the bullpen, but, you know, I don't know who the fifth starter is going to be for the Rangers. You know, a lot of people, you know, try and order the rotation. But let's just say it's Andrew Feeney. Uh, your fifth starter now is a guy who would be a, a mid-rotation starter in a, you know, a lot of rotations around the league. Uh, and, you know, is, is someone who's been around for, uh, you know, around a decade, just under a decade, and has had a lot of success at the big league level. So uh, while the Rangers had that three-headed monster in 2020 that didn't work out with Kluber, Minor, and Lynn, and we were all excited about that, I don't know that their rotation has ever been better prepared and, and better protected than it, it currently appears to be as we you know creep closer and closer towards the 2023 season. And you know all these guys, and, and it seems like most pitchers these days, they have a little bit of an injury history, but uh, the Rangers have the type of depth to, to be able to withstand that and weather that stuff as it comes up throughout the year. Pitchers and catchers report the 14th. Is that, uh, yeah, yeah, so we're going to be on the 14th of February. So we're looking at. Oh, I thought you were saying January. And, I was like, how? No, no, that would be insane. I, that, that being said, like, I'm I'm trying to d- draw it up there, Jared. DeGrom, Eovaldi, Perez, Gray, Heaney. Would that be kind of a good way to, to line that up? I don't feel like you want three right-handers in a row. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, guys. I, I just kind of as an aside, maybe I think more highly of John Gray than the average person I'm seeing a lot of people like slot John Gray third or fourth. I actually think that John Gray uh, can be the second best pitcher on this team. I just think, unfortunately he had some injuries last year and try to pitch through some injuries that, uh, that, that probably changed his numbers. But um, yeah, I mean, but no, it, it, listen, it very, that's just, I, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm on an Island with that. I, 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 it seems like I'm in the minority with that, but I think that's, what's really cool is that you could look at, you know, look, Jacob DeGrom should be the best pitcher in this staff, right? You know, that's 
if he's not, then that's that's not a good thing. But as far as two through five, I think you could make a pretty strong argument that that the other four guys could be the second best pitcher in this rotation. Uh, you know, with Andrew Heaney, just you're kind of banking on, hey, he he sort of figured something out last yeah. year. Uh, but the other, I mean, that that's the thing, guys. There's your is this the best top-heavy rotation? No. I mean, the Mets have Verlander and Scherzer. That's that's pretty impressive. And you look at some of the other top twos around the league. But one through five, uh, there aren't many deeper rotations in, in Major League Baseball at this time. Now, Jared, I think we're talking about these things all from best-case scenario, which is understandable. But I, I often want to point out that, you know, when you get into a season, you're not going to get, or it's very unlikely you get best-case scenario. And someone on the text line mentioned that these six starters – combined for 123 starts and you need 39 more. What is a reasonable expectation, whether it comes from like health and production for the rotation as currently constituted? Well, it's reasonable is to, you know, to not expect all these guys to make 25 plus starts. I mean, that's just, you know, the, let's play the odds, right? One of these guys is going to be hurt. Um, I, I don't know who, and I don't know what, but that's just teams don't go through an entire season without dealing with some sort of injury, uh, injury or, or multiple injuries to your staff. Now the hope is that you know you don't deal with anything that's that's season-ending. Uh, you know that you deal with you know a, a, a month-long IL stint for one guy and maybe another guy, uh, another two with you know just brief IL stints. But it's it's not it, it's very unreasonable to think that these guys are going to be healthy wire to wire. That's the that's the thing though with the depth is let's take. Take any two non-degroms off this rotation; it's still a really good rotation. Uh, and let's just say you take Degrom off of it; it's still a good rotation. You don't have that that ace uh, pitcher at the top, but uh, you're going to need Dane Dunning. You know, people have asked, like, what about these other guys? Well, first of all, Dane Dunning hip surgery. Don't know that he's going to be ready. Would be ready for opening day anyway. But you're going to need Dane Dunning. You're going to need Glenn Otto. It'd be great if Cole Wynn or Owen White or or Jack Leiter had the type of year where that you know they they force themselves, uh, you know, to become options. Uh, but you're going to need that depth. And let's not forget about Jake Odorizzi and, and maybe the role he could fill in, in terms of that. But uh, if you told me that all five of those guys averaged, let's say, 25 starts, 22 to 25 starts, I'd be pretty fired up with that. Uh, to expect all of them to make 30 starts, that would not be a fair and realistic uh, approach to the season. I, I got two questions I want to ask, and they kind of work together, but – this refreshing approach for me, I think it's refreshing. Some think it's overambitious that they've done it backwards. But do you, with that in mind, do you think that they're done making these kinds of aggressive moves? So I don't think I, – I, I, gosh, I could be wrong. I, I don't think that they will make another move. I don't anticipate another move for a guy who's like a surefire starting pitcher, maybe depth, you know, someone who could, you know, be a, a, a swingman type Uh but as far as like a, a Nathan Avaldi, where it's like, yeah, no, this guy's in a rotation. I don't think that's that's in the cards. But bullpen, outfield help, uh, you know, I, I think the Rangers are still, you know, very active in exploring corner outfield options. Uh, maybe more so in the trade market than in free agency. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks are uh, the, they've already traded Dalton Varsho, but they got some guys, Jacob McCarthy being another uh, who could be on the move. Um, you know, David Peralta is a former Diamondback, is a guy who. Uh, you know, I, he's kind of piqued, I think, some people's interest. And then, you know, bullpen help, and you can get that from anywhere, and that could start with just bringing back Matt Moore. And, you know, I said this with Sean and Bobby earlier, your bullpen's already gotten tremendously better with, you know, the improved rotation because the hope is that your bullpen is not going to be asked to pitch four to five innings a night. Now, 
you know, you're limiting it to on average, maybe let's say three innings a night. Obviously they're going to be nights when it's less and they're going to be nights when it's more, but uh, you know, last year their, their bullpen was taxed and they got overexposed and uh, that that's tough. You know, the reason why relievers are so volatile year to year is that some of them, I don't want to say aren't actually good. That wouldn't be fair, but some of them pitch in such small sample sizes over the course of an entire year that people aren't able to figure them out. You know, you, you only face these hitters once or maybe twice. And if it's a division guy three times, if you're just a, a middle relief option, who's not a multi-inning guy that you can get away with stuff and have a good year. And then it's that next year where people figure you out, but the more you're utilized, the less chance you have to get away with that. Uh, and so, you know, that, that will help anyone. The lack of exposure will help anyone and more innings from your starters will help the bullpen, but relief help, uh, and, you know, some depth and, and maybe a corner outfield bat. I think those are still on the agenda for Chris Young and, and the front office. Well, Jared, we always there's there always seems like there's so much more to get to, but we just don't have time, man. We will uh, catch up with you He's later. you talking too much. No, no, no. I just always enjoy talking with Jared, dude. Thank you very much, man. Well, have I'm, a fantastic day. I'm to blame for that. I apologize, but very excited, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Bubba. Love you, Jared. Can't say it back. Yeah, he's gone. Happy New Year, buddy. All right, coming up next, Corey asks all the football questions. What? Yeah, I'm doing it today, and you're going to have to answer all oh. of them by yourself. Next on The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.